Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Everybody, welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I last left you guys last week with talking about how I am on a cross-country road trip as an exercise in self-trust. So for you guys that are new listeners, that is what I am doing at this time. I wanted to just start and preface with that because this episode is going to be a lot about the things that have been happening. So for those of you guys who didn't catch the episode last week, my I was talking about how I am driving across the country as an exercise of trusting myself because for my whole life I have not trusted myself to lead myself in certain areas and and a lot of people kind of run into this where they don't trust themselves to lead in certain points so they fall back into old patterns they fall back into careers they don't like they fall back into relationships that they're unhappy in or relationships that are abusive or or things that are are not serving them because they are afraid but also they don't trust themselves to lead themselves out of the situations so I have decided to take a trip across the country as an exercise in self-trust and the last episode that I recorded was all about this and I was recording it from the Motel 6 in Brinkley Arkansas and I remember the name Brinkley Arkansas because I actually just posted an Instagram story tagging Brinkley Arkansas in this uh in, in, in a story about the Waffle House believe it or not uh, that's that's an aside. But that's why I remember the name of the town. I was staying in Brinkley, Arkansas, and I recorded the podcast episode about self-trust and all of that. And that's kind of where I left you guys. And I just want to let you know, like, the epi- the uh, the exercise in self-trust, I thought, oh, it's just going to be an exercise in self-trust to drive across the country. It, it, it got way deeper than that. So the morning after I recorded the podcast episode, I woke up and I was at the Motel 6 and right... Uh, like in the next lot over so I'm talking a a couple of feet of a walk was a McDonald's and I was really interested in having some coffee so I I decided okay I'm gonna go to the McDonald's and have some coffee now I'm from New York I walk everywhere I thought uh, I'm just gonna walk over there get a cup of coffee and then I'm gonna come back um but then like I had this strange feeling I was like you know I think I'm gonna take my car I'm going to take my car. Well, and why the hell I would ever do that, I don't know. It was it was maybe 100 feet away, the McDonald's. There was just no logical sense that I would have taken my car. But I got in my car and I put the key in the ignition and my car wouldn't start. It's like, I don't know, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, something like that. My car won't start. And I'm like, okay, I'm in Brinkley, Arkansas. Um, and my car won't start. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. Well, I, I don't know where I am. I don't know anyone here. And the, initially, like, just panic, like, complete panic, like, 
my car won't start. So I called my ex-boyfriend Mario, who I bought the car off of. Uh, he's a wonderful man, and he'd, he'd owned the car forever. I think he bought the car in 2007. This is, I have a very old car, um, but it only has, well, right now it has 70,000 miles on it. It had 68. I put like 2,000 miles on it when I bought it, since I bought it. But it has, it had like 68,000 miles on it because it, it was a New York City car, so it really wasn't driven much. And I called Mario, and I said, the car won't start. So he, he asked me to FaceTime, and I start, and he's like, you're going to need to call roadside. So I thought to myself, okay, like I can, I can really freak the fuck out about, about all of this. But then I thought, no, I'm not going to freak the fuck out because I don't have a choice about what happens to me, but I do get a choice over how I react to it. And I have no idea if this is a good thing or if this is a bad thing. I have no idea what's wrong. I have no idea what's going on with my car. I just know that it won't start and I have a choice. And my choice is I, I can handle the situation with calmness and a positive attitude and a positive mindset about where I'm at and full acceptance of what's happening. Or I could let my brain take me down an anxiety loophole of, holy shit, everything's going to hell. So I chose to remain in a good headspace. I got on the Geico app. I requested a jump. Um, the nearest person was about 90 minutes away. Um, it was from Andy's Auto and Towing, I believe was the name of the place. And the gentleman that I spoke to was Andy, who owned the, who was the mechanic. And he called me and he said, do you still need a jump? Is there anyone around? And I said, well, I'm out here by myself and I don't really know anybody. So, and he was asking what it sounded like. And I told him and he said, yeah, it's probably the battery. He said, you know, with the change of the weather, the batteries are going bad, this is happening. And I'm thinking, well, that actually makes a lot of sense because this car has been sitting in a garage for a couple of years, probably hasn't had the battery replaced, probably hasn't been exposed to weather, and now I'm driving it outdoors in the elements for a little over a week now. So yeah, that probably makes sense that the battery is not great. I mean, we were in a pandemic for we're still in a pandemic but the pandemic is almost two years in and I know he hasn't replaced the battery in at least that time so it's probably an old battery so I'm like okay I'm gonna go with this that I need a jump we'll see so I'm getting my shit ready in the motel six room you know getting all my stuff decide well he's 90 minutes away so I'm gonna take a shower and then I thought well I'm driving I'm driving into the west coast so like I I need to handle this so I I called the number that had called me back Hello, this is Andy. Hi, Andy. This is also Andy. And I was taking it as a good omen from the universe. Like, oh, this is, you know, this person's name is Andy. You know, because my name is Andy. And one of the most special people in my life's name is Andy. And, like, Andy is a good name for me. Like, I, I associate a lot of positivity with Andy. So this guy, Andy, answers the phone. And I said, Andy, you know, I'm... I'm concerned because if this, if my battery is bad, like I don't know what to do. And I said, if, uh, do you have another battery that I could maybe buy out of you? Maybe you can install. And he said, well, I don't sell batteries. He said, however, I'm going to come and give you a jump. And then you can just go to the parts store that's right down the street. And they'll, they'll sell you a battery and they'll, they'll put it in for you. And I was thinking to myself, wow, that's convenient. So I get all my shit ready. And then about a half an hour later, I get a call and it's Andy. And he's like, I'm outside. And I'm like, hey. So he asked me to pop the hood and I do. And he gets the little thingamabobber and he attaches it to the, he goes, yeah, 
attaches it to the battery. Car starts. I'm like, amazing. So I was, I, I thanked him. Um, I, I was I was overly appreciative. I gave him I gave him a tip. I don't you know I I don't know the the customary thing for that, but I was like, no, this guy is so nice. Like he drove the hell out here and helped me out, and I needed a jump, and he helped me. And then he said, okay, I, and I asked him about the parts store, and he said it's O'Reilly Auto Parts, and it's right down the street. So I, I pull out of the Motel Six parking lot. I make a left. I'm talking a minute and a half. I'm at O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> I, I get into the parking lot and I get on the phone and I said, I'm going to call this place. I'm not turning off this car until I know that these people can help me. So I pull into the parking lot and I call and I get the general manager. His name is Eugene. Amazing man. <laughs> like all these people are so great. And I said, hi, so I just had Geico Roadside because my battery died. My battery is bad. I'm in your parking lot. And I need to know before I turn off my car if you can sell me a battery and help me out. And he's like, what? what's the make and model of your car? Is it a – and then he's asking all these questions. And he said, I can do that. And then he's like, oh, you parked, parked out there. You need to pull out front. So I pull out front. And he comes out and he's like – he he said, "All right, this is I'm gonna, I can sell you a battery. It's going to be this much. The installation is is included, and just pop your hood." And he takes my battery out, and he says, "Oh, you know, it looks like it's swelling along the edge. I don't know how old it is, but it looks like." So, long story short, Eugene was his name. Wonderful man sold me a battery and replaced my battery. So I'm telling you, like between the time my car wouldn't start and the time I had a new battery installed and the jump had happened, it probably was an hour and a half. In what world? In Brinkley, Arkansas, is this, like that I'm like in the middle of nowhere that I don't even know where I am and that everything was just available to me. The man that came and jumped my car, the man that sold me the battery and replaced it. And then he told me that if I had had a newer car, I probably would have been shit out of luck because the the computer in the newer cars are, that really controls the whole vehicle. So you could take a battery out and put a new battery in and that's, and the computer just will not allow that to occur. So a lot of times you got to take it to the dealership because there has to be software that is updated and, and fucked with and all kinds of shit. But I've got a 2005, so he just popped that thing out, put a new one in, tested my alternator, made sure that it was working. And I was thinking, God, like, this, I could have seen this as a terrible experience. And I could have chosen to see that this is a terrifying experience. But it really, when I think back on it, was such a beautiful thing because I was driving through the mountains of New Mexico like a couple of days later. And I, I mean, I could have been in so many different places where, without service where this could have happened. And this happened in a, in a random ass place where everything that I needed was right there, which was just, to me, was just mind boggling. You can call that a coincidence. You can say anything. But it was, it was such a special thing that that happened right there. And I, I'm going to go somewhere with this. I just want to tell you guys, like, there, there was a lot that has happened since that time. And I continued on. And I could have let that spook me into turning around. And I could have let that 
make me feel like, oh, this is terrifying. But then I thought, what really is anxiety except a fear about the future and how the future is going to look and how things are going? What is, like We always like to think, what's the worst that could happen? Like, what's the worst? And then our brains look for the answer to that question. So when you're thinking, what's the worst that can happen? You're dead in a ditch every single time. Like, every single time, you're dead in a ditch. Every single time I go to the airport, I think, where is this going to crash? Like, every like it's like it's like you're going to get on a plane and everybody ends up talking about plane crashes. You know, the, the likelihood of you being in a plane crash is like almost nothing. And yet, we're, we go to the airport and we, oh, that's the thought. What if it crashes? And it's like, how many people travel in and out of airports, like millions of us, every single day? And how many plane crashes do you hear about? Like none. And yet every time we go to the airport, we have this, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst? You're, you're thinking about how you, you didn't write a will for what's going to happen to your house because you're taking a trip to Chicago for an hour and a half from New York. Here I am getting all fired up. But it's like, that's what you do. You lose your job. I'm homeless. <laughs> it's like... Oh, there, there are lots of jobs available. Like we, we always think about what's the worst, what's the worst that could happen to me. I'm going to die. Everything's going to be terrible. Our brains love to do it. That's what keeps us stuck. We're scared. We get scared because anything out of the ordinary, anything out of the ordinary. So I, I decided that I was going to push through the discomfort. I ended up that day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to act like. I am going to act like this is just part of the trip. I drove to Little Rock. I went and ran in a Planet Fitness in Little Rock. I got back in my car and I drove all the way to Oklahoma City. By the time I got to Oklahoma City, I was just beat beat to fuck because I had that experience in the morning. And then, you know, I, 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 I have a support system of people and – there were a couple, they were busy and I was just, my nerves were shot. And at that point it was a choice. No, I was making a choice that my nerves were shot. And uh, I decided to rest in Oklahoma City. And really the rest of the trip up until where I'm at now has been just complete discomfort because my brain wants to tell me the logical thing for you to do is to go back to New York and be safe. Because what happens is when we start making change in our life, any change, any change, it doesn't matter. You want to turn around and your brain wants to tell you, go back to what is safe. That's not safe. Go back to what is safe. Go back to what you know. Go back to what you can control. Go back to what you have power over. And this is all an illusion. The illusion of power, it's all, it's all fake. I could go, I, I could make a good guess that if I go back to my apartment in New York City, that everything is going to be safe and fine. Or I could go back to New York, my apartment in New York City and the building could burn down. Or I could go back to New York City and I could get, I could get mugged or I could get raped. I mean, that's probably not going to happen. Um, the likelihood of that happening is slim. I'm a very, I'm a very cautious person, very vigilant, but it could happen. And I don't have control over that but because I have repeated that cycle of being in New York City wake sleep do these same activities each day my brain interprets that as safe 
There are times where I'll be riding the subway at 2 o'clock in the morning home from, you know, my job in Brooklyn or, or whatever, and people will be on the train having behaviors, chugging beer, lighting a cigarette, having one time this guy that was clearly mentally ill stopped in front of me, chugged a bottle of water, threw it on the floor of the train right in front of me, and then stormed out of the car in a, in a, in a fury to the next car. And this is like 2 o'clock in the morning. I felt nothing. Like, I didn't feel unsafe in that situation. A lot of people would. But I didn't because here's the logic of the brain, guys. The, that I've, I've experienced that reality enough times and I have not died that my brain has decided that that is safe. Think about that. That my brain has decided that that is safe. And that the opposite, the other reality, which is anything else, is unsafe. So I'm driving down a road which is yeah I'm driving down Interstate 40 which is just a road with service plazas and McDonald's and like like Comfort Inn or whatever they have probably not Comfort Inn maybe like I don't know Motel 6s you know I stay in Motel 6s I like it but Days Inn and all these random hotels Hampton whatever the fuck all these random hotels. This is where I'm going. It's like it's like damn Disneyland. Like all of these these places going down I-40, but my brain goes, "Oh, that's dangerous." Cuz I don't do it regularly. So your brain will say that something's dangerous. So I'm on like my body is in a state of fear and survival going down these roads. And I stayed that way. Like I stayed in this area of fear and survival. All the way to New Mexico. I'm in Oklahoma City. I, it, it took me forever to calm down that night. And what, what was interesting in Oklahoma City is that I was in Oklahoma City. I ordered Grubhub. And because I was like, I'm not driving. I'm not driving another second today. Because again, my brain interprets driving as dangerous because I don't do it. See, are you guys getting the logic to this? That it's not about the fact that the world is scary or that making change is scary. It's that your brain serves as a mechanism to protect you. So it wants to repeat sameness. So whatever you're afraid of is just because you're trying to make change because sameness is what your brain wants. Because it's a prehistoric software that's running all the time. It wants sameness. So your brain wants sameness. So I'm in Oklahoma City. I order, and this is what's interesting. I'm in Oklahoma City. There are these guys, their car is broken down. They're working on their car in the parking lot. I'm by a major highway. It's I had to give a deposit at a Motel 6, which is almost unheard of. So that would indicate, oh, maybe this is not so great of a town. But for me, urban brain, oh, this is perfectly fine. This is perfectly safe. So I order Grubhub. A guy delivers it. About 20 minutes later, I get a phone call on my the phone in my hotel room, and it's the guy that delivered the Grubhub. And he goes, yeah, I just delivered your food. And um, if you need anything, you know, you can you can just call me directly. And I'm thinking like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. So I was like, what do you mean if I need anything? And he kind of started to say, like, you know, if you, if you need food or if you need a Uber or anything, you know, you just, you just call me directly. It's going to be cheaper. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be needing anything, but uh, thank you. Thank you. And, and I really appreciate it. You have a good night. And he goes, oh, okay. Okay, you have, you have a good night too. And I told this story to a couple of people that were not city people. And they were like, that's weird. I would, I would have been so scared of that. I'd be afraid he'd come back. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is he going to 
gonna do? He's gonna come back. I'm parked at a Motel 6. I'm right next to the office. What's he gonna do? Break down the door while the while the, the people are fixing their car in the parking lot and the person in the office is sitting there? Yeah, he's gonna come in and like hurt me? Like, get the fuck out of here. But for me, that wasn't dangerous because my brain associates the urban setting with safe. See, it's all illogical. You guys might be scared of that, but I wasn't scared of that because my brain has repeated the cycle of sameness in urban life enough times that I am not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it. So I don't experience that tremendous anxiety because I, uh, because that's same for me. That's same. So I, I, I kept going. I kept going in New Mexico. Through the, the roads, through the terrifying feeling because I had to get to New Mexico. I mean, and, and when I got off 40, my GPS, I was going to go to Santa Fe because I'm on a spiritual quest and you guys know that. I'm on a spiritual quest. I'm trying to find this element of just oneness with the universe. So New Mexico was, was the logical place that I was going to go. That was logical, right? I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to New Mexico. It's a spiritual place. I remember having very positive feelings about New Mexico the last time that I was there. And I'm going to go to Santa Fe because I haven't been to Santa Fe. And uh, that was that was just the whole time I was in Santa Fe, I was extremely, extremely uncomfortable. Like I kept having this feeling of you need to go back to New York City. You were happy in New York City. Your life was good in New York City. What the fuck are you doing out here? It's not New York City. Why aren't you in your one-room apartment in New York City with your one power outlet and your no kitchen, your rent-controlled, safe little space with your Target comforter and your Ikea bed and your tiny TV that your brother bought for you 10 years ago in New York City? That's what's safe. So I was fighting it. I was fighting it the whole time. You need to leave New Mexico. No. You need to leave New Mexico. No. I'm like fighting myself. Do you guys ever get this? Like you're you're trying to make a change. You're trying to do something different. And what happens? You're fighting yourself the whole way. No. No. And that's what it was. I was very, I was very, very uncomfortable. And what I learned from teachers that I've had, coaches that I've had, different work in personal development, the work that I do with clients, the work that I have been doing for the last few years is that anytime something's uncomfortable, you should stay in it and figure out what there is to learn. That's hard. And sometimes it's too much. It's sometimes it's too much, honestly. But it really, it really can serve you to learn what the, the lesson is. So I stayed in New Mexico. I stayed in Santa Fe for three days and I was uncomfortable. The whole three days, the whole three days that I was there, there were moments where I wasn't uncomfortable. Like in the morning when I was having coffee at this cafe, um, Cake's Corner Cafe was the name of it. The owner, Haley, was just wonderful. Um, she, she was just fantastic. And at that moment, I felt very comfortable. And so I wasn't like in that perpetual discomfort at that time. And when I was walking around... There was a lot of times where I wasn't uncomfortable. But for the most part, for those three days, I was like on edge because I I felt like I'm far from home and I don't know what I'm doing here. And I'm on this sort of spiritual path and that's confusing and a lot of things, like a lot of things were happening. And then there was this big opening up moment that happened pretty much on my last day in Santa Fe. And I did a whole bunch of stuff um, during that last day. And I, I visited a lot of spiritual places. Um, 
I visited El Sanctuario de Jamayo. Please forgive how white I sound when I pronounce that, but I, I, it was this uh, very spiritual place up in the mountains. It was an old shrine, um, a big destination for Catholic pilgrimages in the United States. I'm not Catholic, but it, it's a spiritual place that has this area with holy dirt that is claimed to have healing properties. And I visited a couple of churches in town, and I just, I spent time. Like, I spent time. And everywhere I went, I was still just living in this space of discomfort. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, what isn't something supposed to shift? And we always think of big shifts as being things that feel good to us. Like, oh, like we always think it's going to be this beautiful, warm feeling. And sometimes it is, but a lot of the time, the discomfort feeling is the shift. So my last day in Santa Fe, I'm having this major discomfort. No matter what I do, I can't get out of it. I can't eat something to get out of it. I can't sleep my way out of it. I can't visit spiritual places and get my way out of it. I can't meditate my way out of it. Like, I can't get out of it. I'm like in this, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. And... I end up going like this deep, this deep, dark, deep, dark space of I should just kill myself. Now, before you guys get like weird about that, I I just want to tell you guys, I experience this feeling intermittently. I think all humans do and I think that we would be of better service to talk about it more. And normally what that feeling is, is is a fight between the who I was and the who I want to be. It's always the fight. Like, I know that the way through this is to go through it. So if I'm in discomfort, I know that the other side is through the discomfort. And then we always have a choice. So in this situation for me, the choice was go back to New York and be comfortable. Or go through the discomfort and be comfortable. And then again, at some point in the future, be comfortable. But the way to the progression, the new me, if I go backwards, if I go to New York, I'm going backwards. So I'm going back to the old me and the old and the old way and the undeveloped whatever that was. That's the kind of like when I stopped drinking. I'm going to use that as an example because that might be something that you guys might relate to a little bit more just because I'm sure not all of you are gallivanting through the mountains of New Mexico. (laughs) But when I stopped drinking, that was what it was. It was... Okay, I could have a drink and I go back to the comfort, the comfort of, of that life and I go back to the numbness and the comfort that takes place there. Or I can go through the discomfort of having everything that I'm hiding from revealed to me and then I'll get to the other side of this addiction where I can have freedom. And the discomfort in having all those things revealed to me was so bad that a lot of times I'm like, I'd rather just be dead. I'd rather just be dead. I'd rather just be dead. And you get that feeling intermittently. But you don't really want to be dead. You just don't want to be uncomfortable anymore. You don't want to be hurting anymore. But like the way through your shit is through discomfort. It's not, it's discomfort. This is, and this might be a little controversial. Because I don't think any of us really want to die. You know, we don't really want to die. But there are moments where I think we all as humans feel that thing that we feel of, oh, I just, ugh, like I just, I just, I I just don't want to. I don't want to. And then that's what I was feeling. Like when I stopped drinking, that's what I felt all the time because the the things that I had to look at 
Why aren't you making moves in your career? Why aren't you in a stable relationship? Why aren't you taking care of your body? Why don't you value yourself? Why is your self-esteem so low? Why are you so afraid of everything? That was all revealed. And I had two choices. Have a drink and it gets numb. Or the future. The future, which is I'm free. I'm free of this addiction. But I have to go through the shit. So that's what I was doing on this trip. It's the same damn feeling. It's the same damn feeling as when I quit smoking. These these discomforts, they're all the same feeling. It's this discomfort of making change. It's all the same feeling. The tremendous discomfort of having to deal with your crap. And it was so bad on day three that I, I called my friend Patrick. Because I, I and I said, I'm, I'm so angry and I don't want this and I want to go home there's nothing for me to learn this is terrible and he reminded me of the Ram Dass quote if you think you're enlightened go spend a week with your family and he's like you know I'm gonna tell you he's like maybe maybe there's nothing for you to learn he's like but I'm telling you if you're uncomfortable that you would best serve yourself to stay there and find out why because if there's a reason if you're uncomfortable there's a reason and if there's something that's that's shaky, like something that, that needs to break through in the discomfort is the time where it's going to do it. So here I am like, I want to be dead. Uh, you know, like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I could go backwards and just go back to the old way or I could sit in the discomfort and go to the new way. So it's like, it's that place. And I'm telling you guys, if you're in that place of discomfort, that is a good sign that something new is coming. Like something new is about to break free. It's just... It's just explosive how it's going to happen for you if you could just hang on. And a lot of times our depression with hum- like being human is that we have to have that fight. Go backwards to the place that we didn't want to be or go through the discomfort to the place we're going. So Patrick, that conversation was just, it was just, it was beautiful. I mean, and I'm going to tell you guys, like I, I if you are in a, in a place where, you're feeling that you're not alone you're not alone you can reach out reach out to somebody I always do every time I'm in that place it's it's more common than you think people have more we all share the human experience you know and I and I told I told Patrick in that phone call I have I have a uh, a tattoo on my left forearm to remind me that I'm a bright light because uh, during the pandemic, I think I might have talked about this in the podcast, there was a guy named Hash Halper who drew chalk hearts all over New York City. And uh, he did it before the pandemic. But during the pandemic, I mean, it really, it was it was excessive. They were everywhere. And those hearts brought so many of us so, so much hope. I mean, he lived in the, he lived in the East Village or the Lower East Side. He lived near me. And so there was an abundance of them in my area. And he was such a bright light and he took his own life. He was 41 years old. And when that happened, like all of us just, you know, gathered on the, the neighborhood blogger did a post about it. And a lot of us in the comments were talking about how much his work meant to us, how bright of a light he was. And he never knew. And um, he just, it, it was just too much for him. And so I, I tattooed the outline of his actual hearts on my forearm to remind me that I'm a, I'm a bright light. And I was telling this story to Patrick in this phone call that I made in Santa Fe. And he said, but you're a bright light because of the darkness. He's like, no one can be a bright light without equal darkness. And that was powerful. Because I was thinking, 
I have to go through this darkness that I'm going through right now so that I can be a light. Guys, I can't record this podcast for you because without that. I can't do that. I couldn't possibly be here expressing this to you without having that have happened. So it was at that point that I was like, okay, I have to, I have to just accept this. I have to accept the darkness. I have to accept this area that I'm, and I just have to go through all these emotions. So it was just what is going on that I'm, and I have to deal with the fear. The fear, the irrational, because I was telling you guys earlier about Oklahoma City. Like, why didn't I have fear there? I have fear there, but I don't have fear here in this beautiful spiritual place. It's because it's all inside of you. So everything that you're feeling, it's inside of you. And where's the source of all of that fear? So the second conversation that I had that day was with Andy, who has been a spiritual guide for me and a mentor and a coach and all of these things. I've talked about Andy Petronic for so many episodes. I'm sure that he probably would think that I'm weird with how many times I, I mentioned him in this podcast. But he's a bright light for me and he has taught me so many things. And he, I had mentioned some dark stuff to him and I think he picked up on the fact that I was not doing so great. So he called me, this is after that conversation with Pat, uh, later that day and he, and he was talking to me about what was going on and I said, I'm afraid of everything and everything is, and I am, I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of that and I can't move and everything is fear and everything. And I'm like tearing off layers of all of the fear and I'm like, and New York is safe because there's 9 million people and I know that no one's going to hurt me because 9 million people are around and Mario protects me and my mother protects me and everything is a lie and I'm not tough. I'm this scared child that has built this tough guy like appearance demeanor like all the shit on top of the layers on top of the layers on top of the layers to cover up the fact that I'm terrified of everything and I'm driving up to this church in the mountains and I'm terrified and then my GPS won't work and I'm terrified and then I'm parked at this motel and I'm terrified and I'm parked here and I'm terrified I'm driving down the highway and I'm terrified and I'm talking about all of these things and I'm saying them out loud and then as I'm saying them to him I'm like Oh, there it is. Like, there's all of this stuff. And Andy said to me, you know, this is why you want to go back to New York. Your ego is in New York. Your ego's home is New York. Everything, the real you is underneath all of this. Like, your spirit's home is, is out here. Your ego's home is where you've built the identity. The identity of the New York identity. And this is a lot of the work that I do with people is like, where, why did you build the identity? Like, what is this identity? How is it serving you? How is it not serving you? Like the identity that I have as the New Yorker, is that really a big tough guy? Or is that somebody that is so terrified that they had to build a safety net with 9 million other beings around them because they can't be alone under a big sky? Like that's, that's seriously something to look at. Something I had to look at as I'm out there in the desert terrified of my own shadow in New Mexico and this conversation with Andy was just like fuck!" (laughs) I was like shit and sometimes it just takes another person you know it takes another person to unlock things he's definitely been that person for me I know that I have been that person I have a client that regularly tells me I hate you and I'm like well thank you thank you for that (laughs) you know like you want to hate me? That's great. That's the great. That's the peace is breaking free. I have a lot of I hate you moments for Andy, but I'll tell you what. Those those are those are the things. Like he he just just broke that open and I was like, "This is this is fucking okay." Okay. 
So I, I, I realized even, even after everything in Brinkley, even after everything in Oklahoma City, driving down the highway, all the, all the shit, I was going to keep going. So I, I got him a car and that was where I think I told, I don't know if I told you guys at the beginning of the episode, but I'm in Mesa, Arizona right now. My friend JP's apartment, we knew each other from New York and he just moved out here to Arizona and our, our life paths are kind of running together at this moment. So we are, we are on a very similar path going in the same direction. Um, and it was always, it was always a plan to come and spend some time out here with him because he has been led out here um through things that are bigger than him um through the universe through different different his path has taken him out here so I really wanted to see him and so that was always I kind of got in my car after Santa Fe and I was thinking okay maybe I'll stop in Flagstaff maybe I'll stop and then I don't know what happened but I realized I had been driving like maybe three or four hours and I I thought I was going to stop halfway and then not come straight here and then I thought, you know, I'm going to just I, – I texted him and I'm like, I think I can I can get here tonight if you're okay with it. And, and he was like, I've just been waiting for you to get tired of that city. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm going to go to – I'm going to go to Mesa. So my my GPS I, – I thought that it was going to just take me down interstates. And interstates are – really direct routes to places but they're really boring drives because they're newer highways in the United States and they're just smack dab through boring ass landscapes and you see nothing but McDonald's and it's just and truck stops and it's very safe driving like I would say that it's safe driving just because there's not much to think about there's not much to see you're just on a straight road forever and ever and ever and ever and boom and then you get to where you're going my GPS decided to take me through weird places. When I talked to my mother last night, she's like, you were in the petrified forest. I was like, I have no idea where the fuck I was. But I was through like campgrounds, like weird ass shit. And then finally I get to like New Mexico State Route 87. I think that that was what it was. And I mean, we're talking going down the mountain and you get to this area where there'd be signs that say brake check area. And that's where you check your brakes because if you don't have brakes, you're going to go, you might go ricocheting off a fucking cliff going down these mountains. Like here I am terrified to drive. I talked to you guys about this earlier. Going down the fucking mountain on a cliff, like on the edge of a mountain in this, like, and here I am in this like four cylinder, two wheel drive, 2005 Honda. And I'm like climbing the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain. Like this is, it's just insane. And uh, I, I, I finally, I don't know what the hell happened. But I just kept remembering, New York is your ego's home. And what's scared? Your ego's scared. But your higher self isn't scared. Like your higher self is is being called here. I know a lot of you guys are going to think that this is a load of shit. But like, seriously, stay with me. What's scared? What's scared? The stories that you're telling yourself about the future. Psychological time. Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. If, if you guys haven't read it, please read it. I just finished it. Um, psychological time. What you think is going to happen in the future. Or your idea about what's going to happen in the future based on the past. Psychological time is what's scared. Your ego is what's scared. What's happening in the right here and now is not scary. There is no fear in the right now. This is right now. There's nothing happening right now. Whatever's right now is right now. You're listening to me right now, right now, and right now, and right now, and right now, and right now. You're not scared. Right now. Centering yourself in the right now. So I'm, I'm going down this, 
this mountain. And I don't know what the fuck was the breaking point. But it ended up being that the sun started setting and the clouds were pink and gorgeous. And I started seeing cacti. I love fucking cactuses. Cactuses, cacti. I looked up the what was appropriate yesterday. And I think cactuses is more informal. So for the sake of the Get the Fuck Off podcast, I love the fucking cactuses. I'm going down the mountain, seeing the cactuses and the pink sky. And it's like Arizona sky. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Arizona sky. It is the most beautiful sky in the United States, like in my opinion. In my opinion, there is no sky prettier than the Arizona sky. It's it, New Mexico even does not compare to the Arizona sky. It's, it's just beautiful. So I'm, I'm headed towards the Phoenix area on this road. And it was just like everything was perfect. Like everything was perfect at that moment. And all of a sudden, whatever happened – Something clicked in my mind, in my brain, in that idea that this isn't dangerous. Like this isn't, this isn't dangerous. You're okay. And ever since, I mean, it's just been such an eye-opening. I mean, I've been in Mesa now a couple of days. And, and really, JP and I have had some great conversations about the New York identity, especially after the kind of moment of understanding with Andy about New York is your ego's home. Because JP and I were both New Yorkers and JP has this this line that he that he's been saying out here because he was moving at New York pace in Arizona and his his quote is you're in the desert chill out because it because really though because we leave New York and we want to move at New York pace and have New York like this New York idea of grind 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 and anger 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 and fast 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 and do 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 and there is this element of the New York culture that is that. And all of it is ego. Like all of us, uh, like anywhere else. I mean, like anywhere else. I'm not trying to like bitch about New York or New Yorkers or anything because this is just what humans do. But when it comes down to identity, what did we build? Like we build, when we move to New York, we build these identities about what it means to be a New Yorker. And all of that is tied into what we're trying to create to say about ourselves. I often say I moved to New York as a status symbol. I came from, you know, fucking bumfuck northeast Pennsylvania there was an abandoned factory down my street with a rusted out water tower that when they tore it down we had to get notified about asbestos for a year like this is where I'm from like one of the poorest counties like one of the or or I forget exactly what like there's there was a lot of a lot of poor people my I graduated with 64 people from high school we didn't even have fucking AP courses very like I had a lot of hang-ups about what it meant to grow up where I grew up. So I moved to New York. You moved to New York? Well, you're the, that's New York City. I mean, you can't get better than that. You can make it here. You can make it anywhere. I mean, you're somebody if you live in New York City. This is all ego. It was all ego. And my ego's home is New York City. My safety net is New York City. I'm, quote, somebody in New York City. And, and that doesn't translate. Like, that's just keeping me stuck in a place. Because every time you attach who you are to the shit that's happening around you then it's it's not it's not real that's just part of the identity part of the identity that you are not free from and that's that's what happens in even things like I was talking to you guys about earlier about alcohol use like that happens with the identity 
Like you build, people build whole stories about who they are based on their habits, based on their drinking, based on what they do. I don't meditate. Why would I meditate? Only those kinds of people do that. You see it all the time. What do you believe about yourself? Like what are the stories that you're telling? Because those stories are ego. And shedding the ego is uncomfortable. And that enormous discomfort that I had for days upon days driving through the mountains of New Mexico, that was the discomfort. And the discomfort of the, what's going on with my, with me? Like just tearing off those layers, like opening it up. And yeah, when you do that, it's very uncomfortable. When you do that, sometimes you do feel this sense of, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And yeah, it's common. You're gonna it's not it's not easy. And the only way out is through. The only way out. So, you know, if you if you're experiencing that and uh you're experiencing resistance, discomfort, upset, things like that. These are these are things that we can talk about. These are things that we can have a conversation about. Shit that I'm learning about myself every single day. I do not, I would not expect a client to do anything that I haven't done. Um, definitely in terms of things like changing your physical body. That's the same discomfort. Getting rid of a bad habit. That's the same discomfort. Like you all think like, oh, here I am trying to float away onto a spiritual cloud. It's the same damn discomfort as stopping smoking the feeling is the same the the discomfort is the same it's the same it's the same damn feeling it's the same pull if you have anxiety disorder same damn thing what are you anxious about same damn feeling if you guys are are experiencing something where you can't quite break free because you you feel like it's impossible this is this is this is then it's time for us to talk it's time for us to talk so i would love it i am taking new clients for the new year like I told you guys, I'm only coaching now. I got rid of all the other shit. <laughs> so I have uh, I have a few spaces available uh, for the new year. So you guys can reach out to me, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. Uh, visit me on my website, getthefuckoff.com, if you want to listen to other episodes or read some of my blogs, get on my email list, all that shit. Just You can do that there. And uh, I would love to hear from you guys. If you're experiencing something where you're uncomfortable, like reach out to me. Let's have a conversation about it. If there's something you want to do but you don't know how because it seems to be too many steps away from reality for you, we can have a conversation about it. I mean, if you want to just, you know, shoot the shit, we can have a conversation about it. So definitely reach out to me. I would love to hear from you guys. And uh, yeah, this is a little bit of a longer episode, but I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, I hopefully will be back next week with another episode. We are going to Sedona this week to see the vortexes. So I hopefully will have great things to report about Sedona. And uh, yeah, I'll be back to talk to you guys more about what's been going on on the road on this uh, slightly nomadic lifestyle. So I will be back next week. Till then, you guys take care, be safe, and we will talk really, really soon.